0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is episode 84 of YogaLand. Happy New Year! Happy 2018! I hope you are all doing well out there. At the end of 2017, I had a few guests mention that they have words or intention for 2018. In episode 81, Nika Quisgard talks about having a word for the year and her word is porna or fullness. And in episode 82, Judith Lasseter talks about moving more softly and slowly. And I often choose a word like that to guide me at the beginning of a year, but I don't have one this year. I just, it's just not coming to me. And I think in part that's because I'm really motivated by action lately. I'm just in that phase of my life. And so what I'm feeling, my intention is, is to consume fewer products that are detrimental to me or to the environment around me. And that includes, you know, continuing to reduce my plastic usage as much as possible, trying to convince my daughter not to use straws as much as possible. Bringing my bamboo utensils everywhere. And it also includes continuing to weed out my personal care products that might contain toxic chemicals. So that's how this episode came about. That's the inspiration behind this episode. And I've been thinking about it for quite a while because I've been really focused on researching and understanding the toxicity that is included in so many of our products and the lack of regulation. I've been trying to understand all of this since my cancer diagnosis a few years ago. And I've just been looking for the right person to interview. And these two right people appeared for me, Rachel Pachivas, who is the chief operating officer at Anne Marie Skincare, and Abby Jean, who is their wholesale account manager and is also an esthetician. So what the two of them helped me do is understand how to navigate this complex world of quote-unquote natural skin care because as you'll find out from the interview and from some of the data that I present to you in a little bit natural is often a greenwashing term and you know this country just doesn't regulate personal care products in this interview, something unexpected happened, which is, I think I've been viewing the past few years as I've been cleaning things out. I've been looking at it as like, I I don't want toxic chemicals. I just want to get rid of all the toxic chemicals. And of course I do. But the nice thing that they presented to me is that you can also look at it as including ingredients that are really nutritive for your skin and nourishing for your skin. And if you know me, you know, I'm all about nourishment. So in my yoga practice and in my, in the way that I eat and things like that, so looking at my skin that way is so helpful, right? Because so much of what we're trying to do is be integrated beings and see the connection and everything. And so I I felt like a light bulb really went off for me in this interview. And I see it now I see the connection. I want to present you with just a little bit of data before the interview. And this is sort of the bad news portion of the podcast. It's a little bit depressing to put all of this together. And I'm sure many of you have seen this data book before. But when I actually compiled it and put it together in one place, I was sort of stunned. And, and again, you know, motivated even more to pay attention to what I'm putting on and in my body. So here we go. The bad news is that unlike pharmaceuticals or pesticides, so-called industrial chemicals like the ones we find in our shampoos, detergents, or sunscreens do not have to undergo safety testing. The only piece of legislation regulating the personal care industry is the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act, and it was signed into law in 1938 and has not been updated since. Take that in for a moment. You may remember a few years ago that two senators, Senator Feinstein and Senator Collins, introduced a bill attempting to amend this act from 1938, and they were calling it the Personal Care Product Safety Act. And this bill would have required cosmetics companies to register their facilities with the FDA and submit ingredients lists, disclosing the amount of each ingredient to the FDA. But unfortunately, it never made it out of the committee. They are trying to reintroduce it at some point. And Rachel mentions that in the podcast. It sounds like it's been watered down a little bit since it was first introduced. So where does that leave us? That leaves us here. According to a 2013 article in the New York Times, In its history, the EPA has mandated safety testing for only a small percentage of the 85,000 industrial chemicals available for use today. And Rachel mentions this in passing as well. There are 85,000 chemicals available for use. Only 1% of them have been safety tested. And so as a result, products that we use all the time, every day, several times a day, may contain carcinogens like petroleum, endocrine disruptors, which mimic hormones in the endocrine system and may contribute to certain cancers and reproductive issues. Recently, a study was published in The Lancet, I think it was October of 2017, in The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology and conducted at NYU's Langone Medical Center. And what they found is that our daily exposure to hazardous chemicals commonly found in plastic bottles, metal food cans, detergents, flame retardants, Toys, cosmetics, and pesticides lead to annual healthcare costs exceeding $340 billion. So, this is the first US assessment of the costs associated with routine endocrine disrupting chemical exposure. And what they found was not only increasing rates in neurological and behavioral disorders, but also in rates of male infertility, birth defects, endometriosis, obesity, diabetes, and some cancers as well as diminished IQ scores. More specifically, phthalate exposure was estimated to contribute to some 5,900 adults developing obesity, 1,300 cases of diabetes, 86,000 cases of endometriosis, which cost more than $47 billion, as well as 10,700 early deaths from heart and other vascular diseases, such as stroke. That's a lot to take in, and that's the bad news. In my view, the good news is that there are more and more companies out there trying to figure out how to create beautiful products that don't include toxic chemicals and don't mask their ingredients. And it is a question that I ask in the podcast, how can we, how do we really know? And Rachel has a great answer. So I'm going to save that for that. I'm sure you are familiar with a lot of these companies and I'll actually post on the show notes page as well some of my other favorite companies and lines that I've used. I'm I'm most familiar with the makeup because it's kind of my favorite thing in this whole realm. I hope you find the interview helpful. Let me know. I know this is outside the direct purview of yoga, but I see it as very connected to living mindfully and thoughtfully and consciously. And as always if you find the podcast helpful, please share it and please leave me a five-star iTunes review. Here we go with the interview. Having had health problems myself, I'm a breast cancer survivor. After that experience, I became really adamant about my personal care products and figuring out what's in them and trying to choose products that don't contain you know, carcinogens and endocrine disruptors and chemicals, but the more research I've done, the more I found out that it's actually pretty hard for the consumer to understand what is really in products and to just be really transparent. So I want to just step way back and ask you guys, why is it so important for our health and for the environment from your point of view, not to use chemicals on your skin?
1: This can be a controversial topic for some because I know that chemicals, like if they're not harmful, can serve some purpose in skincare or medicine or whatever. But synthetic chemicals don't really have any like nutritional value for the skin. It's an interesting concept to think about, like how much processing and work goes into creating a chemical that then just gets plugged into a skincare formula. Hmm. Whereas you can just use ingredients like straight from nature. You know, you can use cold-pressed carrier oils or like from nuts and seeds. You can use herbs that are harvested from the earth. You can use seeds and clay powders and all different types of ingredients that contain minimal processing. And that is where that's really our philosophy is just using those ingredients straight from nature. There's so many chemicals on the market that, that go untested that... Are put into self-care products and household care products that after 10 or 20 years of using them, we're finding that they're, that create organ toxicity, they're endocrine disruptors, they're creating all of these health issues that we're now just realizing. So it's more just, there's a lot of dangers behind using chemicals in skincare.
0: Yeah. So what are some of like the biggest offenders if you were to just pick up your moisturizer or something like that? And try to figure out the label, what are some red flag ingredients that people should be aware of?
2: And also to touch on what Abby was saying with the chemicals, there are 84,000 chemicals on the market today, and 1% of them are approved. Hmm. And so thinking, you know, environmental impacts, the runoff into our sinks and our waters and oxybenzone in the ocean, and that's a sun- that's an ingredient in sunscreen, and that's deteriorating our reefs right now all over the world. The Great mm-hmm. Barrier Reef specifically. The environmental impacts are just as great as the health imp- implications that are associated with using chemicals. But to touch on chemicals that are in your skincare products every day, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to start with them. Yeah. Fragrance is one that comes to mind immediately because there's over 5,000 ingredients that could get added into fragrance, mm-hmm. and they disclose it there's a loophole with the FDA allowing them to have proprietary information not you know revealed to consumers so they don't have to list anything that's in there they can just list it as fragrance which is really yeah. I remember
0: reading that I was shocked so it's like you could have a product that looks really clean and, and ha- seemingly has really clean ingredients and then they could just put fragrance at the end of the ingredient list and you could have no idea what is in that basically
1: yeah and phthalates are often found in fragrances and phthalates are a known carcinogen um linked to birth defects they reduce sperm count they have they cause a variety of different cancers they're banned in europe um there's a lot of ingredients actually that are banned in mm-hmm. europe that are still legal here yeah it's bizarre yeah going back to the reef she was talking about um chemicals and sunscreen. Sunscreen is, we should be wearing it every day. And I feel like that's sort of an overlooked product because everyone's thinking like, oh, it's doing good for my skin because it's protecting my skin from the sun. But the main ingredient in chemical sunscreen is oxybenzone. And that's also an endocrine disruptor. It's extremely toxic. It's actually in in a lot of baby sunscreens Mm -hmm. and like the aerosol sprays. And it's just, I actually, um, I have two nephews and my sister-in-law, she was using like one of those generic brands and they're in the sun every day in Southern yeah. California. And I was like, you can't be spraying that on, on the kids. Like the, there's hormone disrupting agents in it. And so she switched to all natural mineral based brands with zinc oxide, which is what we use in our products. So I have a five-year-old and when she
0: was born, I, I was pretty nutty about the sunscreens and there are actually a lot of really good all natural kids sunscreen lines right now. I can actually put that on the show notes page. Well, first of all, you don't need very many ingredients in your sunscreen, right? Like you need zinc oxide. And is the other one titanium dioxide? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I remember spreading it on my kid's face and she was the kid with like the super white face because they don't spread quite as easily, but you can find ones that do eventually. But I remember reading that the sprays also were potentially really hazardous for little kids because it's bad for their lungs too. What are some other products that are a good starting place for trying to find a more natural substitute?
2: It depends. I think if people are used to spending a certain dollar amount on their products, I think taking a step back and thinking of where else you spend your money, you know, so we may spend $200 on a pair of shoes or a pair of jeans that we'll wear for a few seasons and then maybe maybe keep for a few years. But our skincare, it's like actually affecting our blood. It's mm-hmm. actually affecting who we are and our bodies. So I think we should... First, change that mindset. But then also, if you don't want to spend a lot, you don't have to. I would say look in your cupboards and seeing what you have in your kitchen. Honey is a really great ingredient that you can use and you can put into masks. With clays and oil, you can use it as a cleanser. I think taking a look inside of what you can do easily, like coconut oil on your body, using base oils for your face. We have a few products that are more simple in our signature line that aren't too pricey for what they are, that actually have herbs infused to them. Infused to them. So you're not just getting any base oil or aloe, you're getting some very potent concoction of herbs that have been steeping in a large vat with these oils for up to 30 days. It sounds yummy.
1: (laughs) It can be really overwhelming because if you're naturally inclined to like eating healthy using healthy skincare is sort of like it complements that lifestyle so as you start making changes to your diet or incorporating more fitness you're naturally going to start changing the way you treat your skin and it doesn't have to be this overnight like i'm going to clean out everything but just start to like read the labels of what you're currently using and if it has a lot of like synthetic fillers in those first like 10 Uh, ingredients that are listed it's probably not great (laughs) like Mm -hmm. maybe start looking at oil-based products like that have botanical names in them some plant extracts very simple formulas you know like what Rachel said we do have a lot of um, products with just simplified um, ingredient lists so maybe just starting there yeah to overwhelm yourself yeah I mean that's how
0: I feel too it's like it's kind of like cleaning out your kitchen pantry and it can take some time but if you just work gradually, you'll start to really love, I don't know, you'll start to love the feeling and the smells of these things on your skin and feeling like, yeah. And
2: I can't wait. Um, you know, when I was traveling and I was living with this naturopath, at the time I was using toxic ingredients. I was not using great products. And, you know, I had full bottles and I went and stayed with them and he's like, what are you using? And their whole family was using all the products that they made. And so we made a bunch of products and I kept them. And he's like, okay, throw away your other products. And I was like, well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish them. And he's like, Rachel, <laughs> <laughs> causing diseases. These are causing cancer. Throw them away. And it, I like fought with it, like this mental fight. I'm like, this product... Yeah, it cost me $30. It probably cost them 10 cents to make because it's so cheap mm-hmm. and packaged and just nasty ingredients in it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to just like stomach it and throw it away and realize what you're doing is just better for you and using things that are just good.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember reading something, I wish I'd pulled it out as a quote from the environmental working group that when they studied synthetic products, it didn't matter if it was the most quote unquote luxurious line or the cheapest drugstore brand line, the formulations were nearly identical. Like, Mm -hmm. so you Mm -hmm. can be paying so much extra and still be getting like this, the same crummy
1: (laughs) formulation. You pay more for like the fancy bottle. Right, 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 right. super sleek look. Yeah, (laughs) But it's like mineral oils, the first ingredient. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is a very easy
0: to answer question, but Abby, as an esthetician, do you notice changes like in people you work on when they come to you and maybe they're not using natural products and then you introduce them to your skincare line? And do you notice changes in, in their skin or in your own? Have you
1: noticed? When I used to practice, yes, I had clients that would come in that were using, you know, cheap cleansers, store-bought, like at a CVS, first ingredient would be like a laureth sulfate. So they would exacerbate their issues because they were just stripping all the natural oils from their skin, cause a lot of sensitivity and irritation. And then as they slowly started to wean off those cheap products and start incorporating more natural and simplified products their skin would definitely clear up. They'd notice less irritation and, and in conjunction with like a healthy lifestyle too, because that's always important. Like there's no topical solution that's going to change your skin overnight, but you know, it sort of goes hand in hand with how you treat your whole body too. So yeah, it was. So it seems like sodium lauryl sulfate is in so many things. Is it like a detergent? Is that yeah, it's a surfactant. It's a okay. foaming agent. So it's what gives your cleansers that super rich foam. Fortunately, they have like natural plant surfactants. So we actually have one. We use a sodium laurel glucose carboxylate, which is actually just, it's a oils from plant starches and sugars and coconut oil. Mm-hmm. And it's completely safe. It's used in organic skincare products, skincare formulas mm-hmm. certified by Ecocert and the Food Federation Act. And it's com- it doesn't compromise the skin. It doesn't strip the natural oils. It's actually very hydrating. Where sulfates are harsh. Mm-hmm. They're actually in like pretty much all conventional skincare products and detergents. Really harsh, like mm-hmm. even like, yeah, household products that are like very chemical based. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to put it on your skin. <laughs> no way. So
0: that's kind of another question I have, which is I'm a child of the eighties. And so when I was growing up, everything was like scrub your skin as hard as you can, you know? And when you started to break out as a teenager, you just like, what was that product? Clearasil. We put Clearasil on our skin and all these things. And I don't know, it seems like it hasn't been that long that there's a totally different approach to cleansing and keeping your skin healthy. So can you talk about that? You know, you've talked a little bit about the oils, but I'm kind of obsessed with the oils right now and would love to hear
2: more about that. I still wonder what like teenagers, because I remember that being in high school and going to one of my girlfriend's houses and we would put this product and I can't remember what it was, but it was like alcohol, like directly on skin. Witch hazel. Yeah, there was one. Was like, yeah, there was so something else. Thin. I can't remember what it was, and it was so bad. I remember I'm like, yeah, let's put it on. It stingy, yeah. And you thought it was like clean, you know, cleansing and <laughs> <laughs> or those yeah. the StrideX. Packs, oh,
1: yeah. It just straight alcohol, like, and you would use them like ten times. You're like, yeah, my skin's clean, which like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> is like dying. <laughs> it would be all red and like so sad and puffy. <laughs> yeah, I think we're like growing into this period where we're realizing that it's deteriorated our skin and you know abby can definitely speak more on oils and the nutrition of our skin and the health of our skin but i think that we've started to realize that oils are actually good and they're not producing more oils it balances your oil production and so putting you know very nutritious and nourishing oils on your skin is only going to do good for it not clogging your skin with nasty petrochemical petroleum oils
1: Yeah. And I think just like as a company, we really try to inspire our consumers to have like a connection to their facial routine. So like think of cleansing as not this, like, Oh my gosh, I have to go wash my face and like get ready for bed. But it's like, think of it as this experience and it's like a ritual that you want to incorporate. And then all, all the steps following after it's just like makes it that much more enjoyable. And, you know, when you're using gentle surfactants and, know, oil-based cleansers, I mean, ours are aloe-based, but you know, there are some oil-based cleansers out there. With those gentle bases, you're not going to have like a dry and tight like skin after cleansing. It's going to feel like soft and nourished and you'll feel more inclined to like really treating your skin (laughs) with respect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That idea that we had, which was like, you know, I need to quote unquote strip all the oil off of my face so that I don't break out. That's not necessarily a truism. That's kind of what we're finding now.
1: No, that just exacerbates the skin to, you know, create more oil. Okay. want to balance it, yeah, because oil dissolves oil. And so when you're putting oil on oil, you're actually balancing it rather than taking it away and then having it just kind of create more. So the whole like oil free product, you know, myth, it's, it It's not good, it's not good for your skin to to remove
0: that. right, but if you have been using those products and then you switch does your it does it take a little while for your skin to get used to the switch
1: yeah, and in general, I think even if you're just weaning off of more chemical based line, your skin can definitely go through changes and it could take a little bit to find balance. There could be a purging process. Definitely potential reactions. Everyone's skin is different, but if you just stick with it and it could maybe just be like a couple of weeks, your skin can
2: get back to a state of balance. And I would say start small. You know, if you're using a bunch of chemicals, get rid of your cleanser and start with a pH balanced, nice, gentle cream cleanser. You know, and then maybe a week or two later, then swap out your moisturizer for one of our serums or an oil. I wouldn't just take away everything and throw everything in. And this is me personally, uh, just because it's, it could be pretty intense. If you don't have sensitive skin, then yeah, go for it. But if your skin is sensitive and you may notice something, I would take it slowly.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So what do you say to people who have a skincare routine that they really like and they feel like if they switch to products that are that don't have chemicals that they won't work as well. That's a great question.
1: so I would say that you can switch to natural beauty products without compromise, and what I mean by that is switching your whole routine. so a lot of women are have been using like tried and true brands tried and true and um, quotations there yeah. <laughs> For, you know, a decade, what comes to mind for me is like Pond's cold cream or, yeah. some of those, like you know, really old, older brands, but sometimes you're just, you've been using it for a very long time and you're afraid to make that switch. I think that skin has a lot to gain by using natural product, using ingredients like oils, herbs, plant extracts, clays. They are biocompatible with the skin, so the skin's able to receive these nutrients optimally. Going into like conventional skincare, I think that a lot of women and men are reluctant to switch to green beauty because of like marketing that exists and the unrealistic beauty ideals that have been created. So you see these women and men on commercials with flawless skin, mm-hmm. promoting lines that are sold at convenience stores like CBS or Target or even a department store, not to undermine them, but you know, I'm sure you know which brands I'm talking about. A lot of those formulas, you know, they're made from ingredients derived from petroleum, like a dimethicone or a silicone that really serve no nutritional purpose for the skin. And it, they're used in skincare to kind of deliver that Smooth, soft, velvety touch that women maybe get like addicted to, uh-huh, but really it just, again, it just serves no long term benefit, so I think kind of just getting over that hump of experiencing what natural beauty care products have to offer, yeah, which just can be made very easily
0: that's so interesting. I think it's such a great thing that you brought this up, which is like the really challenging beauty ideal that women face. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in my mid-40s, so I'm really noticing my aging all of a sudden, and I'm, I can't describe how happy I am when I see older women who are just wrinkly and happy and they look beautiful.:
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's like they're embodying that beauty and grace, and I feel like that's what beauty is. At this woman, I took a class from recently. she was saying that beauty is life force awakened so like when you feel vibrant and you're and you're healthy like that is true beauty you know
0: Mm -hmm. it's also interesting it's so helpful to hear you talk about how some of those petrochemicals quite frankly are like they're they're what give us that feeling of is it that they give you the feeling of the softness of the and like the
1: spreadability of the product that we're so used to yeah okay yeah and and it feels good but it's like really not doing much (laughs) right right Yeah. So
0: honestly, even though I've been um, using natural products for a while now, this is the first time I've thought about it in this term, in these terms since talking to you guys. And I guess I've never thought about the nutrition of my skin, the way I think about putting nutrition into my body. So can you talk about what are some especially nutritive ingredients that we can look for in products?
1: Yeah. So I can talk a a little bit about what we use in our formulas, and this transcends to a lot of green beauty because I think we're all, you know, on the same page here when it comes to plant-based ingredients. But so with our formulas, we use urban fused oils or urban fused aloe vera juice. So the urban fused oil would be in a base oil, and these oils and/or aloe vera juice infusions are used as the base for the majority of our products. So in addition to to that herbal base, which is already so abundant with antioxidants and amazing nutrients, we add in ingredients like hyaluronic acid, superoxide dismutase, SOD, which is a powerful antioxidant. We use um, citrus stem cells derived from oranges that help for appearance of the skin and strengthen its integrity. We use active plant cells. Plant cells are amazing because they're different than stem cells. They actually are comprised of all of the nutrients that the skin needs to function. So polypeptides, proteins, vitamins, enzymes, amino acids, all the elements that supply those essential nutrients for healthy skin. And we also use like squalane. Squalane is actually produced Within the skin, we use a plant sugar-derived squalene that improves skin moisture. So these are all alternatives to those like chemical you know, byproducts you'd find in conventional lines. And using them consistently, it just, it's just amazing the, the results that you'll have with, with these types of ingredients.
0: So two questions. Mm-hmm. What is a base oil? like? What does that mean? And what's an example of a base oil?
1: Good question. So base oil, like I said, how we use a base oil where we infuse herbs into a base oil is the oil that is in the highest concentration in a formula. So for example, our anti-aging facial oil, we use a jojoba oil. I'm sure you've seen jojoba in like your natural. And then we also use grapeseed as another common base oil. Sunflower oil would be another one. So we, we use cold pressed oils. Base oils on their own are already so nutrient-rich. But you would be surprised that in skincare and conventional lines, there's a lot of hydrogenated oils being used. And it's just a cheaper, more processed oil that can, again, act as a filler ingredient and don't really serve much nutritional purpose for the skin. So it's similar to like when you eat food. You want to use those, those good quality oils, like olive oil on your salad versus... And the hydrogenated oils that like your french fries are being cooked in right yeah
0: that is so helpful okay and then the other question I had is hyaluronic acid I feel like I hear about that all the time right now it's like an anti-aging and I wonder about these when I look at it I think like is that natural or is that a chemical like how do I know you know what is the
1: deal with the acids because there's also like there's other fruit acids that are used right For sure. It's a good question. So our skin actually naturally produces hyaluronic acid, but as you start to age, that production decreases. And so it's found a lot in skincare because topically what it does is it acts as a humectant and it binds moisture to the skin a thousand times its weight in water. So really it's just pulling moisture from the air and allowing your skin to be hydrated throughout the day. So there are some sources of hyaluronic acid that can be derived from animals. And ours is a hundred percent plant source, of course. So you just have to be careful about which lines that you're supporting and where their sources of hyaluronic acid are are coming from. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. You really do have to like do your research and, and, or find a brand or two that you really trust, it sounds like. Another question as I was researching things over the years is labeling. It's sad. It's actually so similar to food labeling these days. So, what I found on the environmental working group is that products can be labeled organic or natural and still contain petrochemicals. And those certified as organic can t- contain as little as 10% organic ingredients by weight or vol- volume, <laughs> which is just to me so sad. So, how Do we know that if we're buying an organic labeled product or a product that's labeled natural, how is a consumer to know that the product is both potent and actually safe?
2: I would start with reading the actual ingredients. Typically, you don't want something that starts with water. You don't know the percentage of water that's in there. So when you're speaking of potency, that will definitely play a role. In regards to organic and non-organic, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, Natural definitely is a greenwashing term. Everybody, natural is coming up more than organic because it's easy to use and you don't have any regulations around it and you can do whatever you want. So you might have made with argan oil because it's a catchphrase right now, Mm -hmm. but it may be you know, whatever percent at the end of their ingredient list and everything else is junk. So you definitely want to read your ingredients. I know it takes work and a lot of people don't have time and everyone's busy, but again, back to shifting our mindset and how we buy, we'll spend tons of time researching what we're going to buy for our house or TV or a new phone or different things like that. So just take the extra time to research what's going into your product and if you know if you're shopping online and they don't have it listed email them engage with them interact with them and ask them to disclose their ingredients so that you can make a conscious decision on what you're going to put on your skin Hmm. that's a good idea yeah yeah
1: and there's like some good resources out there for anyone that doesn't have a lot of time to research you know there are some people who are motivated to like yeah i'm gonna become my own skincare expert and know how to read labels but for those who just don't have that kind of time you know, you can look at the EWG or you can download the app, think dirty. And there's tens and thousands of products that are registered in their database. So if you're in a grocery store in the boutique or whatever, you can just take a picture, scan the product and it will show you, um, all the toxicity and all the ingredients in that. And you can educate yourself that way. And it's like right at your fingertips. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's, It's a nice app to have.
0: Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good idea. So, how about at your own company? you know do you have lists of substances that are <laughs> that are on your you know do not use list what, How do you regulate within
2: it's interesting because we I was looking at some packaging with our designer, and we're like, oh we don't even list like what 's not in it, and I think our mindset is just use natural stuff, just use things straight from nature so of course we don't have parabens we don't have synthetic fragrance we don't have GMOs, we make sure we read every C of A to see if there's any pesticide residue, because if it's not certified or organic, we want to make sure the practices are still sustainable and organically grown. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, it's more like not, like our <laughs> our method isn't like, not method, but like philosophies, what not to use, it's like what to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like use oils, use herbs, and but it does make sense to for some companies to list those, like what's not in the product because people are still learning. Mm -hmm. We take a different route and, you know, we have an educational blog where we talk about, like, chemicals in the skincare industry and what to avoid, and we're constantly sharing that
2: with our consumers. So that would be our way of education. and And a few other things, you know, all of our products, of course, are not tested on animals. And one big thing that we support heavily is Made Safe. If you haven't heard of them, check them out, madesafe.org. The founder, I've known her for quite a while through you know, labeled GMOs and different campaign work where we met. And she started this third-party verification program that verifies products and companies and certain things. And it goes anywhere from you know, baby products to mattresses to skincare products. And they're verifying every single possible ingredient in your products on your ingredient list as made safe. And so if you go to their website, you can see what that means. But they rule out endocrine disruptors, carcinogens, anything that can cause birth defects, anything that is not completely safe, they rule out. So fortunately, we didn't really have to work anything on our products (laughs) because they are made safe, but they will work with companies to help them become made safe Hmm. if they're not.
0: Yeah, that's great. It seems like we have this... Vacuum right in terms of the regulation through the FDA. There's they're not mm-hmm. doing their their job, so <laughs> someone's doing it, it. Sounds like they're doing it for them in a sense. Yeah, that's good to know about. Is there anything that you guys are doing to to try to create better standards?
2: Yeah, you know, throughout the whole industry, we are part of this coalition, and it's a group of. You know, beauty companies involving skincare and hair care. And we've been pushing for proper legislation to somehow revise the Cosmetic Act so that there can be proper regulations on skincare products and chemicals. Senator Feinstein just introduced a bill. We haven't, as a company, signed on yet. We're a little bit apprehensive. I'm actually having a call with her next week, one of the women with the aid, uh, just to find out more about the bill. And what it would do is require each company to register their products with the FDA. And this is voluntary. So that's, you know, apprehensiveness number one. It's voluntary. And then the FDA would regulate them, which is my second concern, the mm-hmm. FDA. Mm-hmm like they're a regulatory agency that isn't regulating much mm-hmm. and they're doing a good enough job with it. Mm-hmm. So I have some concerns on it. I am still researching in it. Aside from that, we do a lot of education on what chemicals to avoid, what our products are. We work with a lot of other different companies to do similar education on these things. One nonprofit that we've worked with in the past and that we're a part of or partners with is The Tree. And it's Five founding members are us, Numi Thrive Market, Dr. Bronner's, and Sambazon. And so we do a lot of education on conscious consumerism and using good ingredients and supporting each other in ways like that. Dr. Bronner's is constantly pushing the limits to what they can do, what the FDA is not doing, you know, just constantly bringing more awareness around all of that. So being a support in that way. And having people vote with their dollar is a really great way that we feel we can contribute to more education and shifting the industry. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Right. Just kind of, kind of trying to educate ger- consumers directly so that they can make better decisions. Yeah, that seems like if it's a voluntary to, to be registered, seems like uh, it's not quite cutting the mustard. So last question, what are each of your favorite products in the Anne-Marie line?
1: My favorite product is, we just came out with a new cleanser, the Phytonutrient Cleanser. And it's a cream-based cleanser. Well, it's aloe vera juice-based, but there's coconut oil in it. And I typically don't use, like, cream cleansers because I have oily skin. But it has our serum blend in it, um, which has a lot of hydrating ingredients. So it's just so lovely. and. (laughs) I love it. It's my favorite product. But I like all of our oils and our serums too, but that's currently my fave.
2: I love that one as well. And then our wild fruit serum is another one that's in our wild alchemy collection. And it just, I love it. I've been using it for some time now because uh, Abby and I actually worked with our formulator to develop this one. And we spent probably two years going back and forth on ingredients and really making sure that the ones that we chose are perfect. And it has plant cells in it, cacadu plum, uva ursi, some brightening extracts. It's really, really, really good. And you'll just wake up in the morning feeling just plump and, and your skin, your face will feel just full of hydration. And it's it's really good. I was wondering
0: if the two of you get to be part of the formulating at all. That sounds so fun.
2: <laughs> we actually do it. So we, I work with our, our team And, you know, what we're doing, I'm actually working with our formulator right now on our next product. And it's amazing. And Abby is just a genius with ingredients and herbs. So I'll chat with her about, hey, what about this one? And we both are researching all the time just for fun, because we enjoy it. So luckily, we have the opportunity to just do it and handle that portion of our business. Yeah.
0: You know jasmine sent me samples some months ago and i'm still using them and i love them all but the one for me that is just like i can't deal i love it so much is the coconut honey mask <laughs> and it's just like you guys were saying it's so simple it smells like coconut and honey and that's what's in it but it, i can't believe how good my skin feels afterward so Yeah. I want to eat it every time I put it on my face (laughs) and my daughter's five and I let her put it on too, which is really a great feeling. You know, I don't have to feel like, uh, like there's so many things that, she actually know, knew the word toxic by the time she was like two and a half, because <laughs> I would be like, no, you can't have that. It's toxic. No, don't put that on you. It's toxic. Like, you know, because kids actually now I'm remembering why she knew that it's because every time you go to a drugstore or something, there's all these lip glosses that are like in cute shapes and, you know, they're marketed for kids. And it's just like, Oh, I'm not going to let her put something on her lips. She's eating. She's literally eating that, you know, just, I know just petroleum. So I'd be like, no, that's a toxic one. That's a toxic one. So now she's always like, is this the toxic one? Can I put it on? (laughs) Like, we don't allow the toxic ones in the house. Don't worry. (laughs) They're all, they're all good. So, well, thanks so much, you guys. It was great to talk to you and so helpful for everyone. Thanks for talking to me today.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks as always for listening. I'm going to include links to the many resources that were mentioned in this podcast, including Made Safe, the Environmental Working Group, the Talk Dirty app. I'll include links to those on the show notes page. And you can find that at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 84. Until next week, enjoy your practice.